Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 276 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel where you're checking me out live right now. Quick reminder, as always, make sure you're subscribed. If you're watching live, make sure you click that thumbs up button and uh, always click the notification bell so that you never, ever miss a live episode of the show. Uh, also, if you can't catch a live episode, don't worry about it. You got the podcast version. That comes out on podcast platforms around the world. Just look up Montero on Boxing, the neutral corner. You'll find me. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you drop a, a rating, a review, all that good stuff. It helps me out tremendously. Uh, you guys are awesome. And, yeah, we are underway. TNC 276 for the week of August 7th. Let me show you guys the latest issue of Ring Magazine with Manny Pacquiao on the cover. The legend himself, and we got a preview of his fight with Errol Spence Jr. Is this going to be a passing of the torch, or is this going to be the legend adding to his legend further? We shall see. But it is August, and, guys, we finally have some fights to look forward to this month, right? I think the schedule is a little dry right now. I've talked about this the last couple of weeks, but um, it's going to get cooking pretty soon. And I'd say mid to late August through – Hopefully through the end of the year, but right now through the beginning of October, it's pretty good. There's about six, seven weeks there where we've got some real big fights. I'll talk about that a little bit in the, the news and notes. But first thing I want to hit on is some Olympic results because you guys have asked about it. But um, yeah. Oh, wow. Already we got a super chat from Ray Valero. Thank you so much for the super chat, my man. He says, finally, August, big month of boxing. Can't wait. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, the summer was pretty dry. I don't know about you guys, but I got sick of talking about fight rumors, fights being postponed, fight negotiations, all this shit except fights. We weren't talking about fights. So uh, it's good to actually have some real fights to look forward to coming up this month. Maestro's on the chat. What's up, man? How you doing? Says salute, Michael, tuning in. Glad to have you on, Maestro. That's awesome. Uh, guys, Maestro started his own channel. Make sure you check that out. And uh, I'll definitely be on there pretty soon. And uh, we hope to have him on the show as well. So that'll be great. Um, Hamed in the chat asking, is the Friday show only on MOB? Yes, the Friday show. I just do the Friday wrap-up, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern. I do that on my channel, at least for right now. Maybe one day that will come over to Ring TV as well. But for right now, that's over on my channel, Montero Unboxing. So make sure you subscribe over there. But we do calls on that show too. And what I try to hit on that show is everything that happens during the week. Because you guys know a lot of times I'll do this show Monday and boom, Tuesday, some big news item will drop or something. And I, we got to wait a whole week to talk about it. I try to hit that stuff up on Friday. So um, yeah, that's what we're doing over there. <clears throat> All right, guys, I think I'm going to jump right into news. I see a couple of you guys already in the phones. Sit tight, sit tight. Uh, we're going to get into some news notes and a quick review preview. Then we'll hit the phone calls. All right, so you guys on the phones, you can either listen there on the phone or you can call back in, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. All right, so let's get right into this, man. Um, I wanted to show you guys, I want to share my screen because a bunch of you guys have asked about the Olympics. And uh, if you go to the actual Olympic site, you can click on boxing and you could go right to their schedule. So 
these times I think are for the local time in Tokyo. Okay. But the, the session technically tomorrow for them, it's going to be tonight here in the United States. So you see 11 o'clock is where tomorrow's session starts. That's day 19, I think for the Olympics. So they're calling it session 19, session 19 and 20. So it starts about 11 o'clock. I think that's going to be around. I, the only thing I know is Duke Reagan fights at 1030 Eastern time tonight. Okay. That's Eastern standard time tonight, 1030 PM. And Keyshawn Davis fights at 1048 PM. Again, these, this is Eastern standard time in the United States. Uh, so for those of you in the USA who want to catch those guys, they are going to fight tonight live. It's technically tomorrow. It's going to be Tuesday over there, but it's going to be just barely uh, tonight, uh, August 2nd here. So those two guys fighting uh, tonight. And then uh, let's see, uh, Richard Torres and female American O'Shea Jones. They're both fighting in the semis Wednesday over there. Uh, so I can click on that schedule too. But I just want to show you guys the whole schedule. So this is for technically for Tuesday over there. Depending on what part of the world you're at, though, some of it will fall tonight, Monday. Uh, it will for us in the United States anyway. But you guys in the UK and everything, this is going to be Tuesday as well. But I'm just looking here. Um, this is what quarterfinals and semifinals. And there's a woman's final bout, looks like uh, featherweight. Uh, the got Filipino versus Japan there. The Filipinos have done really, really good. Uh, but USA has done pretty well, man. Um, this has been our best run in a while. The Cubans have been kicking ass. Brazilians have done pretty good. UK has got a couple of guys. And I should say Great Britain has got, has got a, a few fighters uh, going into the quarterfinals, semifinals. Um, you guys have uh, Pat McCormick is going to be in the men's welterweight final. That's tomorrow, Tuesday. So. I want to pull that up and then let's pull up the fourth Wednesday, the fourth. So we got some names here. This is uh mostly women's, but well, it's It's half and half. So these are semifinal bouts and the light heavyweight men's final is going to be Wednesday. Again, Benjamin Whitaker, another great Britain fighter going up against another Cuban. Cubans have had a good run. So uh, great Britain's pretty good poll too. I'm surprised Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan has done as well as I thought uh, in these Olympics. But so, so that's the schedule right now, guys, for the next couple of days. But if you want to check everything out, this is a pretty good tool, man. Just go to olympics.com and then you can click on the sport. They have the schedule. You can check everything out there. Okay. And I'll let you know, but it's going to be Tokyo time. So you're going to have to figure out what time that is in your parts of the world. Uh, we got a guy in the chat that let's see, he has how many times is it? one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. He said thoughts on penis. Let's see if he makes that comment one more time and then we'll ban him. I just want to see if he'll go for the record and do it eight times. <laughs> I don't know where these people come from. I don't know where these people come from, man. All right. So go ahead, Tristan, drop that comment again, brother. Then I could block you unless I could block you and get you out of here. All right, um, so that's the Olympics results. So, so look, a lot of you guys have asked my thoughts on this. I don't watch the Olympics a whole lot. I'm not going to get too political here, um, but you guys know how I feel about this. The International Olympic Committee is the most corrupt sporting organization on earth. And the, the executives at the IOC 
profiteer regularly off of slave labor in the third world. And the sports media doesn't talk about it. They just don't talk about it. You're just not allowed to talk about this. So when you know a little bit about how the IOC gets down and how they uh, regularly abuse people in the third world, it's kind of hard to support them. And they go to a lot of countries. I'm not including Japan in this, but other recent Olympics, they have gone to countries that are pretty much dictatorships where there are atrocious human rights conditions, countries like Russia, countries like China. They have no problem going there, yet they publicly spout all this woke kumbaya, we all love each other kind of thing. Behind the scenes, they're using slave labor to build stadiums in dictatorship type of parts of the world. I don't include Tokyo, Japan in that, obviously. Um, but, uh, to, you know, Japan's a, a wonderful country and a lot more free than some of the other recent places where the Olympics have taken place. There's also the AIBA is involved. They're completely compromised and corrupt. So I don't want to rain on everyone's parade and be all depressing. It's just hard for me to watch the Olympics knowing what I know, having talked to the people I've talked to. There's a lot of information out there. No one talks about this stuff. You're just kind of not allowed to bring it up. Uh, but it's hard for me to support the Olympics anyway. Um, but that's all I'm going to say about that. We ain't going to get too political. Let's get into the fight schedule. The schedule has been dry, right? Summer's been dry. We've been talking about negotiations, COVID, uh, what, purse splits, injury clauses, um, litigation, you know, all this kind of stuff. Now we have some fights to look forward to. So, so August 14th is going to be a good day. There's a few good fights. But Casimiro Rigondio, I like that fight. Like it a lot. Um, you guys know, latest issue of Ring Mag. I originally had an article that was going to be in that magazine on that fight, but it got changed last second. And it became an article about Donaire versus Casimiro. That actually made it to the magazine. And then that fight got trashed. So my original piece on Casimiro Rigondia, I talked to both their teams. That is going to be up on Ring TV's site, closer to the fight. So probably during fight week, we'll get that up, and you guys can check it out. Got some great quotes from Rigondia. He's actually a pretty funny guy. Once you talk to him, like off the cameras and stuff, he's a funny guy, and he's a pretty good shit talker. So there are some great quotes from him in that article that you guys are going to enjoy. But uh, also on that date, uh, we have uh, Virgil Ortiz versus Igadijus Kavadiauskis. One of my favorite names to say in boxing. Try saying that shit three times fast. Just say Mean Machine. It's a lot easier. But I like that fight a lot. I really, really do. That's perfect matchmaking for Virgil Ortiz Jr. at this point. Super high on that kid. Then the following week, we get Errol Spence versus Manny Pacquiao. And that might be the passing of the torch. It truly might be. It should be on paper. But you just don't know with Manny. Could you turn back the clock again and shock the world? We shall find out. And then uh, September 4th. We have the rematch between Lara and Warrington. That's a good fight, man. Lara shocked the world, right? Uh, Warrington, you think of Josh Warrington was set at one point. He was rated, what, number one or number two at featherweight? No, nah, not number one because that's Gary Russell. So he was number two or number three. And it was going to be him and Shu Khan unifying titles. Those guys were inactive. They kind of dropped the ball making that unification fight. There was different reasons why. And then look what happened. They both suffer upset losses, right? But Lara vs. Warrington 2, that's going to be a good one. It's going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to that. And then Stephen Fulton versus Omar Figueroa. That is uh, September 11th. I'm sorry, Brandon Figueroa. That is um, 
September 11th, that's a great fight, dude. That's a great fight. And I think Stephen Fulton is one of the young budding stars in the sport. I'm super high on him. I favor him to win that fight big, but I think he's going to really have to show us levels because I think Figueroa is going to pull that out of him. Looking forward to that fight. Canelo versus TBA. We don't know who he's going to fight, but he's probably going to fight, hopefully going to fight September 18th. If he doesn't, that will be the third year in a row that the premier Mexican fighter in the sport has not fought around Mexican Independence Day. Three years in a row, dude. That's huge. I really hope that they can figure something out and get him in the ring September 18th because that will be good for the sport of boxing, regardless of who he fights. You know, you got to get the big, the money man in there. Floyd Mayweather, every year, say what you will about the matchmaking and all that, the diva tactics, but look, man, every May, every September, bank on it. He was in the ring and it was in Vegas. It was in Nevada. The casinos ate. Everybody ate. The whole industry ate off of Floyd's back for a while there, regardless of who he fought. You knew it was coming to May. You knew it was coming in September. Canelo's got to get in that fucking schedule. You got to make it happen again. Also, uh, in September, a week after that, whether, well, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but September 25th, Anthony Joshua, Alexander Usyk, best heavyweight matchup in a year and a half, at least, right? So the winner of that fight, I've been saying this, between Joshua and Usyk, on that night, they're not going to be the lineal champion or none of that, but they're going to be the best heavyweight in the world because on that night, Tyson Fury... Deontay Wilder will have not fought for a year and a half. One of them will be recovering from COVID and we don't know what he's going to look like. Some people recover from COVID perfectly. Some people don't look the same. Some of these guys that have had COVID have come back in the ring and been upset or put on dud performances, right? So we don't know. You do that as a heavyweight, you could get sparked. Deontay Wilder coming off uh, an embarrassing, devastating, dominant beatdown loss. So that's who Fury and Wilder are. Meanwhile, Joshua and Usyk, look, man, Usyk had all four belts at cruiserweight. Joshua has three of the four belts at heavyweight. That's seven belts between these two, okay? Also, two Olympic gold medalists. That's a lot of hardware between these two guys. That's a big fight. Do not sleep on that one, guys. And then finally, we're, we're supposed to get it October 9th, the third fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And I'm telling you, this extra time has benefited Deontay Wilder. And the fact that Fury got COVID is benefiting Deontay Wilder because Fury, uh, he is a fighter that depends on movement. And if his lungs are not at 100%, and who knows if he's going to be fully recovered 100% by October, COVID affects everybody differently. The odds to me, just got closer in that third fight. I still favor Fury, okay? But it's going to be more competitive than people think. So that's the schedule. Now, I wish boxing would space this shit out to where you had a, a really good fight to look forward to once a month. It's not going to be every weekend, obviously. You're going to have second, second or third tier level fight cards filling in the gaps, right? But if you had... One of these big fights every month, and they kept the schedule regular, it'd be so much more convenient for everybody, but that's just not the way boxing works. You get these lows where it's two or three months of shit, and then you get two or three months of amazingness. So we're going through the shit right now, but I'm telling you guys, be patient and have faith. In the coming weeks, 
it's going to get better. All right. I promise you guys that the end of August through October is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's get to the comments here. We got uh, several more super chats I missed out on. So did that one guy make the penis comment again? No, he didn't. He disappeared. Troll, he disappeared by himself. I love these alt accounts that come on the show, man. We know who you guys are. Anyway, super chat from D-Style Boxing. What's up, my brother? He says uh, uh, nothing. He just super chat. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very, very much. Ray Valero with another super chat. Thank you. He says, uh, Mike, September 11th, you forgot Oscar De La Hoya versus Belfort, LOL. <sighs> we'll talk about it. We're going to have to talk about it because it's going to be part of the news. But I'm way more excited for Fulton Figueroa. Way more excited for that. And feeling dangerous with the super chat. Thank you so much, man. He says, uh, Fulton going to be pound for pound someday. I agree. The only thing he doesn't have is the one-hitter quitter. But he's got everything else. And I, I love this matchup for him, man. I love this matchup for him. And, you know, Figueroa is going to bring it. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'm loving it. All right. That is it for news and notes. Let's get into this review. And we got a couple of upset specials to talk about. So last Saturday, July 31st, let's start over in the UK at uh, Matchroom Fight Camp over there in Essex in Brentwood. Uh, first, Conor Ben off this card due to COVID. That was a bummer. That sucks because uh, Conor Ben's developing into an interesting prospect slash contender. Uh, it's been fun to kind of watch him develop a little bit. So I was looking forward to seeing him, but uh, he's off due to COVID. So look, a lot of fighters are, are vaccinated. Some are not. Some of these guys got one shot, didn't get the second. Some of these guys got both shots. They're still getting COVID. It's all over the fucking place. People keep asking me about it. What do I think? Um, look, I'm not here to tell you what to do with your own body. If you're young and healthy, just take care of yourself and be young and healthy. I will tell you this. Based on the science we do know, this shit ain't going away. It's going to come back every fall. It's going to be like the flu. We have a Delta variant right now. There's going to be a beta variant and a gamma variant and all these different variants. That's going to be the next thing. If you feel the vaccine's right for you, get the vaccine. If you feel the vaccine's not right for you, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, but live, be responsible, regardless, whatever you do. If you're fat, sorry, <clears throat> if you're overweight or elderly or have pre-existing medical conditions and you haven't got the vaccine yet, you're a fucking idiot. You need to. This shit's real, guys. Okay? Take precautions. If you're young and healthy and have a strong immune system and eat right and everything else, do what you feel is best for you, all right? Because it's a 99.9% chance you're going to be okay even if you get COVID. But those other people out there that have the comorbidities and stuff, you guys got to take care of yourself. All right, that's my public service announcement with this. So for Conor Ben, he's a young, healthy guy. He's going to be fine, right? <clears throat> we wish him well, fast, speedy recovery. He's going to be fine. But on the, on the main event, Lee Wood, TKO 12 win over Khan Shu. Third defense, this was Khan's uh, third defense of his WBA regular uh, featherweight title. And we talked about this last week. The, the super champion right now is Leo Santa Cruz, which is fucking ridiculous because he hasn't fought at featherweight in two and a half years. But the WBA just does what the WBA does. It's not even worth going down that rabbit hole. But I, I find it very interesting that, again, we're talking about inactivity affecting fighters. Uh, COVID has affected fighters, some of them negatively. 
and inactivity, of course, is always a killer for a lot of fighters. There's only a handful of fighters in the world that could show up once a year, once every other year, and fight at the absolute elite level. Very, very rare. These are special, special fighters. For everybody else, man, you got to stay active. And for Khan Shu, Shu Khan, um, it wasn't 100% his fault. There was the pandemic. Several fights fell through for him. So he was kind of a victim of circumstance in a way. But they, they should have got him in the ring against somebody. His, promotion, his promoter let him down. He should have gotten the ring against somebody for a stay busy fight. So that's kind of what this fight was looked at as. And look what happened. Uh, and it's not as if this was controversial or like a shocking win. Wood controlled the fight. He did pretty well. It was competitive. Khan had his moments. It wasn't a blowout. But Wood fought well from the opening bell of this fight. And Khan Shu just did not look like the same guy. Uh, just did not have the same volume. And yeah, if you've been inactive, you're not going to have the same lungs, man. You're not going to fight in the same rhythm. Last time he fought was November of 2019, almost two years ago. So I think that was a huge factor uh, because Wood fought once in 2020, and then he fought this February. So he's been in the ring twice. He was in rhythm, and you just saw that. He just looked better, for, for just more comfortable, more fluid for, from the opening bell. Uh, scores were 106, 103, and 107, 102. Uh, two times at the stoppage. So again, Wood comfortably ahead. That's how most people saw this fight. Maybe it was a little closer than that, maybe. But um, I thought Wood was was winning the fight at the time of the stoppage. So uh, it remains to be seen where both men go from here. Do they do a rematch like we're seeing with Warrington and Lara? I I'm not sure. Uh, for uh, Look, if, if Wood can hold on to this title, if Warrington beats Lara, well, then you get Wood and Warrington. That's a, that's a pretty good fight over there in the UK. So um, inactivity, it's a killer, guys. It's a killer. All right, here in the United States, in uh, Newark, New Jersey, at the Prudential Center, PBC and Fox, brought to you by TGB Promotions. Uh, Jonathan Rice scores one of the bigger upsets of the year. TKO5 win over Michael Coffey. Uh, Gerald Washington was supposed to fight Coffey. He got COVID. He's out. Last-minute replacement comes in. How many times have we talked about this in boxing history? Last-minute replacement comes in, especially in the heavyweight division. There's something about the heavyweights where the last-second replacements, uh, scoring upsets, it's just more prevalent as a heavyweight. I don't know why, but it seems to happen more with the bigger guys. But uh, Rice came in last minute, and a lot of people are like, oh, man, I ain't even going to watch this shit. This is just going to be a complete domination, second or third-round knockout by Coffee. And I was interested in this fight. I liked watching the big boys anyway. And I was interested in watching Coffee, fellow Marine, just like me. So, um, you know, undefeated, 12-0 coming into this fight, 35 years old out of Brooklyn, uh, an advanced, you know, aged uh, prospect, but definitely a guy people were looking at coming off that KO3 win over Damani Rock in January. Guys, I think he fell in love with the power. I think he fell in love with the hype a little bit because he just did not look right from the jump in this fight. And it almost looked like he thought he could end it with one big shot at any time. Uh, Rice started out well in the first round, jabbing, working behind the jab, got in some overhand rights. In the second round, Coffey came out as a southpaw. And so far in his career, he's been able to do that and then kind of turn on the power. And that's been enough. He tried it in the second round of this fight, and it worked for about half of that round. But then Rice made another adjustment, and Coffee was like, shit, 
this ain't working. You know, he tried a couple of hard shots to the body. He did land some nice sticks to the body, Coffee did, but it didn't back Rice up. Rice kept boxing. There, it took a minute or two for Rice to adjust to Coffee's adjustment. But once he did that, Rice looked good. He looked real good. And it was up to Coffee to make another counter adjustment, and he just couldn't. He went back to orthodox, and I thought he looked better orthodox. When Coffee went to Southpaw, he looked really flat-footed. His feet were in quicksand. When he went back to Orthodox, he moved a little better. But man, by the fourth, fifth round, he was just eating big punches, just big right hands. The one thing with Rice, he didn't do much. Uh, he didn't throw much hooks. He didn't throw much uppercuts. He didn't really go to the body. It was a lot of one-twos, one-one-twos. But it worked because Coffee didn't do anything to get out of the way. He threw a few counters and stuff. And it's not that Coffee didn't land some punches because he did, but um, there just was nothing on it because he was kind of pushed back and he was um, fighting a guy that was at least as big as he was. Rice may be even bigger. Rice has long arms. He's a big, big guy. And um, it was just an interesting heavyweight fight because you saw the momentum shift and you saw the confidence level change. You know, early on, you thought, okay, coffee's going to land something big and it's going to change this fight. After the second, third round, it's like, well, I don't think that big shot's going to land. What's coffee going to do here? And you just saw the momentum going from one corner to the other corner. You know, and it's interesting seeing two human beings respond live like that right in front of you. It's just human drama playing out right in front of you. And so there were people on Twitter and stuff that were questioning uh, Coffee's heart and saying he had no heart. I think that's unfair. I, I really do. I think he showed a lot of heart in this fight. He took some hard punches, guys. Really, really hard punches from a big dude and kept trying. What I saw wasn't a lack of heart. What I saw was a lack of plan B, a lack of thinking in the ring, a lack of adjustments. Now, we don't know if he came in maybe compromised, maybe there was an injury or something. Maybe he suffered an injury in the first couple rounds. I do know his eye was getting busted up. I think it was the left eye that was looking pretty bad, especially right when the ref stopped it there in the fifth round. It was closing up on him. But um, he just he maybe he got caught with something early and never fully recovered. It was kind of putting on that poker face like, oh, I'm not hurt, but he really, really was hurt. We've seen that before. But I just saw a guy who could not adjust. Because what Rice was doing was not that complicated. It really wasn't. I mean, and this isn't to put him down. I'm just saying it, it was textbook stuff. It was one, one, two, one, 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 two, you know, simple textbook stuff, staying long and throwing those kinds of shots and pushing his man back. And it was effective. And Coffee just had zero adjustments for it. So um, I don't know where Coffee goes from here because this was a pretty one-sided devastating loss you know because this wasn't like um just getting caught with something or this was a guy pretty much having a fight beat out of him over five rounds by a guy who came in with multiple losses look rice fought stephen shaw undefeated he's several undefeated heavyweight prospects check out this list jonathan rice fought stephen shaw in 2016 tony yoka in 2017 arslan Mudov in 2019 and F.A. Ajagba in 2020. He lost all those fights. He was competitive. He, and he had a chance to win maybe in some spots in those fights. 
but fell short for, for several different reasons, right? But on paper, you're thinking, okay, we're going to bring in this guy who's fought these undefeated prospects, giving them good rounds, falls, fall, fell short, and that's what we're going to get here against Coffee. And Coffee was absolutely just had the fight beat out of him. So I want to hear from Coffee and his team in the coming weeks and find out what happened and how he's going to respond. But for people to question his heart, unfair, really, really unfair with the way that he fought. What I would question is his ability to make adjustments and his ability, ability to think in the ring. Uh, and those are very, very important things. I would say they're just as important as heart. At certain times, they're much more important than heart because heart can only take you so far as we saw in this fight. All right. You got to have that brain going and you got to be able to make adjustments. Also in this card, um, two prospects, Vito Milnicki at 147 and Joey Spencer at 154 get W's. And then on FS1, Andre Durrell got a W uh, after the Fox card was over. They had a few fights over on FS1. Real quick, I want to talk about Milnicki and Spencer. Guys, they're young, yeah, uh, developing, yeah, but am I crazy or am I just not seeing blue chip prospects that I'm overly excited about here? I'm just not seeing two guys that I look at them and I think, yeah, these guys are right up there with Jerron Boots Ennis and Virgil Ortiz. I, I, I'm just not seeing that, okay? Um, so for whatever reason, PBC has decided to really, really hype these guys. And I don't know what their reasoning behind it is. And I'm not saying that they're bad prospects because they're not, because they both showed some interesting things, particularly Spencer. I, I, I do like his lead left hook. Um, he does some, some interesting things. He has some explosiveness, moves well with his feet. Uh, Milnicki has some skills, right? And they're super young and can be developed. But I'm just not looking at these guys and having the same feelings the same excitement I have when I watch Ennis or Ortiz, just not seeing it. So am I crazy? What am I not seeing with these two prospects? Solid prospects. And who knows, man, maybe these guys can develop over the years, but the one thing PBC has shown that they're not very good at in comparison to some other promoters out there, particularly top rank, who I think is the best in the biz at this, uh, PBC just doesn't build prospects very well. They're very good at building up records and keeping guys O's in controlled situations and stuff like that. Uh, but building up these guys to where when they cross the street and fight against the best fighters from other platforms, they don't do very well. Very, very few do. So I'm just, I'm seeing guys here that can win regular titles, interim titles. You know, there's a million different titles out there. But am I seeing future pound-for-pound pound stars or anything in these two prospects? No, I'm not. I'm just not. And again, if I'm crazy, correct me. If I'm wrong, correct me. But I'm just not seeing it there with those two. All right, quick preview, and then we'll jump to the phones, I promise. Uh, we got a few different fight cards this week. Um, starting tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, August 3rd, from the Madison Square Garden Theater in New York, DeBella Entertainment is putting on a card. Now, I've heard that this is on Fight TV and on Triller TV. I don't know if that's true, if it's on both, but that's that's what I've heard, that it's on both Fight TV and Triller TV. So, so check your local listings or whatever they say uh, to find this out if you want to check out this card. But Eric Walker taking on Ivan Galoob, a 10-round welterweight fight, and Michael Hunter, heavyweight prospect, and Chris Algieri, remember him? Welterweight veteran 
They are fighting showcase bouts. Uh, Friday, August 2nd, from Falls Park, Belfast, Northern Ireland, top rank on ESPN Plus here in the States. Michael Conlon going up against TJ Doheny, who is one and two in his last three, but has been competitive in those fights. Always gives a good effort. This is a 12 round, 122 pound fight or junior featherweight, if you will. And then Saturday, August 7th, I think it, I, I'm, the schedule has not confirmed this. But I believe there is a PBC card from TGB Promotions from Minneapolis, the Armory in Minneapolis. Uh, Yoelvis Gomez, 4-0 fighter out of Cuba, going up against Brian Mendoza, 10-round junior middleweight fight. I've seen this fight on the schedule for August 7th and August 14th. So I don't quite know exactly what's happening, but I think that one is this Saturday. But there's definitely a matchroom fight camp card from Brentwood in, over there in England on zone here in the States. Uh, undefeated heavyweight prospect Fabio Wardley is on that card. And Kid Galahad going up against James Dickens. Uh, rematch, 12 rounds, featherweight for a vacant featherweight title. So that's it, guys, uh, for the preview. Ah, now we can jump over to the phones and um, we can hear what you guys got to say about all this good stuff. All right, so let's do that. Let's go over to our first call. Let's see, 718, you're on TNC. What's going on? 718, what's up? Hello, hello. Man, you waited 31 minutes, bro. 718, are you there? Damn. You waited for nothing. Well, call back. All right, let's try another one. Uh, let's see. Five, seven, zero. You're on the show. What's going on? Hello, Mike. Hey, what's up, dad? I think you covered every, Hey, I don't have much to add from the fights this week. And I, I didn't think there were that big upsets, but, uh, you know, it was, it was set up that way, uh, especially on PBC and PBC fights this weekend tie into exactly why, in my opinion, the, uh, Manny or the, uh, excuse me, the fight with Canelo and plant, had had fell through we saw a perfect example of that entire card being switched around it, oh, yeah, it was yeah. literally three or four matches that just had new opponents within a couple days of each other and it took a good card that i was looking forward to because i wanted to see milnicki in a rematch against martin and uh the weight stipulation there martin was supposed to come in at 147 and he was way over so it seemed pre-planned that that usually doesn't happen the way it did. I think Heyman and the management had planned for that and they switched it at the last minute to get the matchups they wanted and then they could justify it as such for the networks. And that's exactly why Canelo stipulated in the contract that in, in the negotiation that if they had in any way, shape, or form had to switch an opponent, if Plant came down with COVID or something out of the realm, of normalcy that he would get his 40 million guaranteed because Canelo and his people knew this is something PBC does with regularity. And it makes sense that since PBC, it was an only a, a one-off with Canelo. It wasn't a three fight deal. It was a one-off that perhaps switching out plant at the last minute and replacing him with Benavidez or a Durrell, or whoever PBC wanted to put in there to get another payday for their fighters and network. 
he wasn't going to take any chances. He wanted that $40 million guaranteed, and PBC refused to honor that request. That's where the fight, according to my sources and, and my read on this, where it broke down. Everything else was pretty much set in stone. But we saw this weekend exactly why PBC has that reputation. Okay? They, they play dirty. And Canelo, he has good, uh, good knowledgeable people around him, you know, to protect his best interests. And on the flip side with, with Caleb Plant, he doesn't want to go over to the zone to have the fight, even though it's his, in his best interest to do so, because he can't make $10 million anywhere else. He's only, he, he could fight 10 times and not make $10 million. This is a career move for him. And yet, all you heard from Caleb Plant is, no, we have the fight on PBC or nowhere. Is that really Caleb Plant speaking on his behalf? No, I think he's being puppeted to do the bidding of PBC as a whole. And contrary to what we heard last week, which was an awesome call you had with uh, the fight doctor, or I like to call him fight malpractice, (laughs) fight malpractice. When, as soon as he said, I don't have a dog in the show or blah, blah, blah. As soon as a guy admits that he doesn't have a dog in the show, he, he has a dog in the show. He's well invested in one side and biased. So, when you have guys like that, that in unison are online, and I heard many people from the LBBC all spout the same rhetoric online about how they're trying to put the blame on Canelo and make it seem like it was on him. They all got online and, and made sure to get it out in the media you know, as damage control. So you have a lot of forces here working, and it, this is going to be part of the course. You know, for boxing, when you have fighters from PBC, they're not acting in their own best interest. They act in the interest of the company like um, a, their, their own commodities, where they're not independent contractors like fighters normally are. They can't do what's best for them. It's amazing. Because we saw it with Wilder, we saw it with Ortiz. You know, they could have made career money on other networks against other fighters, mm. but they didn't do it. So there's definitely with, a track with that record. That being said, I, there is, yeah. there is. And I don't know if you have any new news regarding that, but PBC is trying to put it out in the media now, but well, we offered them this, 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 and this. Okay. But they're not saying what they didn't offer right. and where the uh, contract talks broke off. They're only given their side, which is, you know, normal, but they're not telling you what they weren't willing to do. Okay. It's a lot of, a lot of damage control, a lot of propaganda. And I'm hoping the media can sift through that and report it for what it is. Yeah. I talked about uh, that on my channel Friday. That's, you know, what you're referring to with the fight doctor. It's uh, um, the, the, the guys like Mike Coppinger, and this isn't to beat up on cop, but it's him and guys like him. You know, it's their job if you're going to talk to one side, at least if you can't get a hold of the other side. And I know Canelo's hard to get a hold of, and he's not talking right now, at least represent their position. And one thing that, you know, yeah. they, they keep leaving out is the biggest demands were made from plant side when they said it's got to be on Fox and PBC. That's the biggest yeah. demand that anyone made. And that was up front. So 
Uh, nobody's even talking about that side of it, and that affects negotiations. So I hear you, man. You're only getting one Absolutely. side of it. Yeah. And I hope there's more pressure put on so the, the truth gets out and the fans could, could finally see, hey, you know, we're being taken for a ride by TBC. And, and that leads me to my last point here. And uh, I've researched this through and through, and I've already made my bet. So I don't care if the line moves or whatever at this point. I just want to let people know, when you're buying the pay-per-view at the end of the month with Manny versus Spence, and I was the big, I'm the biggest Manny fan you'll find, the guy looks old. He hasn't been in the ring for two years. Bob Arum wanted to finally match him up with Crawford. And it all equates to this, that Manny is a shock fighter. And it pains me to say this. He's a small welterweight. He's fighting a guy in his prime who is 30 pounds, 30 to 40 pounds naturally bigger. And he's a southpaw as well. And the styles, they don't match up. I know Spence has a lot of flaws, okay? But I'm looking at this like Larry Holmes versus Muhammad Ali, mm. like Mike Tyson versus a Larry Holmes that hadn't fought in two years mm. with ring rust, and a Bernard Hopkins that fought Joe Smith. So my warning to people out there, boxing fans, don't buy the pay-per-view because you're going to be disappointed in the outcome. They're going to pull Manny out after eight rounds, in my opinion. This is boxing. We've seen the blueprint before. If, it's, if Manny somehow pulls this off, it'll be the all-time greatest win in the history of sports. And it's so far off that this happens. You really can't, you know, put a lot of stock or faith in it. They're taking us for a ride on this pay-per-view. Don't buy it. Watch it the next day, and you're not going to complain and hate boxing because all it does is chase fans away when these types of mismatches are made. And if it weren't for the fact that Aram was finally trying to get the fight with Crawford to fight uh, Manny, I wouldn't think this way. But the writing's on the wall. Aram protected Crawford for years against Manny because it was a bad style matchup for him. That's why they made the horn fight in Australia. And that's why you saw all the controversy with the judges and the referee allowing horn to do whatever he wanted to do to bully Manny, foul him. And the judges made those ridiculous scorecards to rob Manny. They got the title belt for horn. Who's easy pickings for a guy like Crawford at welterweight. And the rest is history. My warning is do not be fooled. Spence is going to roll over Manny. And I don't like Spence, but this is just how it is in boxing. So I'm going to let you comment on that and let the other callers chime in as well. But I just, I don't want people to hate boxing from what they're going to see at the end of the month in that fight. Okay. All right, dad, you're on the record, man. We'll see how it, we'll see how it goes. Thank you. All right, bro. Have a good one. You too. You know, for, for the record, I hope Thad's wrong. I hope that we get a very, very competitive fight. But I've been saying it since they signed Manny. You know, PBC brought Manny over to build up their young welterweight stars, their names. And if you look at um, Errol Spence specifically, you know, he fought both Garcias, Mikey Garcia, 
tapped into the Mexican-American fan base. Danny Garcia tapped into the Puerto Rican-American fan base. And now he's going to fight Pacquiao, who's the, I say the biggest global name who's active among boxers because I don't consider Floyd an active boxer. Uh, so even though Canelo, AJ, they're making more money, globally, Manny's a bigger name. So if, you know, if if Spence gets in there and mops the floor with Manny, that's going to be a big brand building type of thing for him. And that's why they brought Manny over there. And if you look at the history of boxing, it's an unforgiving sport. And a lot of legends, like, you know, you look back at this wall behind me, there's a lot of legends. You know, the last fight that they had, uh, Fab brought up Bernard Hopkins. It, it ends ugly. It ends ugly a lot of times. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya, his last fight was ugly against Manny Pacquiao, right? So so that that's that cycle goes. And um, this is set up for Spence to win and win very, very big. I hope we get a very competitive fight. That's what I hope. Uh, Turin Falk asks, what's the deal with PBC and Tom Brown promotion, TGB promotions? Is TGB a storefront operation for PBC? So I could talk about this for an hour, but <clears throat> Al Heyman is an advisor, technically speaking. That's what he calls himself. He works in the shadows. He is not a promoter. And a advisor slash manager of a fighter is not allowed to promote a fight. It's kind of like with an actor. You could have a manager, like a publicist, but they can't be an agent. They're two separate things, two separate entities. So technically speaking, Premier Boxing Champions is just a platform. Um, and Al Heyman, and the, he is the, you could look at him as a manager, but calls himself an advisor. So they have to use promoters to actually license promoters to promote the show. And Lou DiBella was his guy, at least with the East Coast fights that use Lou DiBella, then they used Tom Brown on the West Coast a lot of times for the first few years of PBC. But then Lou had a falling out with Al, and they really did Lou pretty dirty. Um, and so Lou doesn't work with them anymore. It's pretty much just ex exclusively Tom Brown. It's not only him, I think, but he's he's the guy that they use most of the time. So he is the promoter who promotes the shows, even though it, it's a lot of gray lines. It's a lot of blurry lines over there, right, the, the way that they do it. But technically speaking, he is the promoter for those shows. He's the licensed promoter putting on those shows over there. All right, so... Let me, uh, I just wanted to get to that question, guys. And then I'm going to jump back here to the phones. Oh, we got a bunch of them lined up now. Let's get to a UK caller. Uh, 741, you're on the show. What's going on? Evening, Mike. Lawrence from, um, Lawrence from London here. How What's up? How you doing, man? Yeah, good. Um, I missed the show on Friday. I did intend to call in on the plant um, Canelo issue, but I must have forgot like a, Roy Jones critic in the noughties or something. Um, but I did, I was just listening to it. Um, and it was a great call at the end. Clearly, uh, someone who's quite emotional, quite invested in, in the PDC side. Yeah. Calling to zone the application over and over. It was, it was hilarious. Um, but I, I mean, I'm going to be a bit facetious here. I don't think Al Heyman likes boxing. Like, <laughs> if you'd asked me many years ago, I really thought PDC was going to be a really good thing for boxing. We're going to bring it to network television again, etc. But I think what he's attempted to do is create like a UFC in boxing. Yeah, but it it's exactly really what he wanted to do. And tie it all up. Right. And obviously it's bad for the sport because 
you know, they've done weird stuff like not recognise the WBO because Terence Crawford has got the belt. And in fact, actually, before all of that, the worst, worst example I can think of is Peter Quillen. Uh, Heyman mm. ruined Peter Quillen's career. Um, he paid him, I think it was around $1 million, maybe a little less, in the 100000 to sit, in, sit on his ass for a year. And he was a titleist. He lost the belt. He would never seem to be the same after that. And I, do, I don't understand why, you know, anyone who doesn't prefer tennis or a non-contact sport would, would want that for a fighter who ultimately wants to increase their stock and get better. I mean, you might take a loss or whatever, but you'd rather be in the ring competing than, than, than on the sidelines for and, and being inactive. So I, one on that, I think it probably should be against the rules to pay fighters to not fight. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you get that into some promotional um, sort of the rules around what, what promoters and, and agents are allowed to do. But it seems very against the, the essence of the sport to say, no, sit on your ass, we'll pay you to do that so you're not competing. Um, and then, yeah, the other point is I think the... The fact that we're not we're we're sort of allowing one section to siphon themselves off and keep it in house, and the others to do the same has really done huge damage. Obviously, the 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 um, sanctioning bodies are in on it as well, but it all needs to be broken down, and we need to call it out as 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 often as possible. I agree with you. Uh, just be ready for the crazies to uh, to call you all sorts of names when you do call it out. It just it is what it is. It comes with so the territory. Funny. It was an exceptional call, honestly. Um, I, yeah, I thought about taking that call and just posting it as its own video because uh, a lot of people love that call. It was brilliant. You should. You should. All right, maybe um, I'll do that. Another point. You should definitely, definitely. Um, on on scoring, I had a point on scoring, and this is. Because I didn't, I didn't um, mention Castano versus Charlo, uh, which happened a couple of weeks ago. I think you're absolutely right again to call out the bad scorecards, even when the right person wins. Mm-hmm. Because I know you're probably not, you know, you're you're less um, likely to use the word corruption if you've not got hard evidence to say that. You've got a platform. You've got to be responsible. But to me, it's obvious if a judge scores a fight that should be 115-113 the other way, 117-111, 118-110, that's corruption. Like, they're scoring the fight so that even if the opponent gets a couple of knockdowns in the later round, they're sure to get the right answer at the end. And, uh, yeah, when we just sort of rest on our laurels and we sort of say, okay, well, it's a majority decision, the right person won, let's not worry about it. We allow those judges to continue to work the circuit and eventually they crop up in a fight like Castaño Charlo and, the, and ultimately the right person doesn't get the victory they deserve. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not sure what else we can do in, ter- in terms of, as, as fans, what we can do in the, to expose it, to make it more of an issue. But certainly a good start would be to, to pick out the horrendous cards even when someone wins. Yeah, I, I, it's it's something that makes no sense to me because um, sometimes you'll see a split decision when it should be a, a unanimous decision and I'll call out the one judge who really fucked that fight up 
And people will say, calm down, Mike, the right guy won. It's like, well, what happens when this guy screws up a fight, you know, completely? And we've seen that so much. And the bad judging, it's not limited to boxing. It exists in every sport where there's judges, but it's so common in this sport. We see it across every platform. And it's something that we just accept and we don't have to. And I think the fighters themselves need to fight against it. If I'm a fighter and I see a certain judge's name on a fight, I'm not fighting. I'm going to pull out of the fight. I'm threatening to anyway. And with the power of social yeah. media, these guys could do that. And, and fans would have their back. Um, so I, sure. I, until the fighters start saying something, I, I don't know what we can do, man. <clears throat> yeah, sure. I, I get that. Because, I, I mean, I, I think we're very complacent in those sort of split decision moments because you know it doesn't matter whether the the judge that has done a bad job has scored it 115 113 the wrong way or one 118 110 because mm-hmm. it's two versus one but we have in those instances where it's so obvious that they've they've basically filled out their scorecard before the fight has started we do have to identify those judges as being like problematic you know in a more um in a more deliberate way. It's not just, oh, they had a bad night and they've, you know, scored the fight wrong. Maybe they've taken favors. I don't know. Maybe a promoter's got their kids hostage, whatever it might be. <laughs> but it's certainly deliberate that they've scored it that poorly. Uh, I think of like a, a 118, 110 Canelo mm-hmm. uh, against Floyd and against, um, a, against, uh, Golovkin. Those kind of scorecards just, they're definitely corrupt. Um, the last point I wanted to make, just quickly, because you've touched on COVID. Listen to Sam Harris's podcast a couple of weeks ago. I know you might be someone who you quite like Sam Harris I do. And, and his work. I don't know. Um, but it was something to do with vaccines and healthy people and why they should get vaccines as well, because it slows down variants, something like that. But yeah, yeah. check that out. I, I wouldn't be able to explain it very well um, myself. But I'm, I, I've, I've, got, I've had my two jabs. Even though I'm, I'm 31, I've got no pre-existing health issues. But I'm, I was more concerned about getting long COVID and that sort of thing affecting me long term than than the jab, the potential that the jab would do anything. So exactly, um, but yeah, something to, to, for people to to check out themselves. I agree. That's I completely agree. Me, though, Mike. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks Thank a lot, for, man, for having me on. All right, have a good one. You too. See ya. Uh, we got a bunch of calls, guys. We're gonna have to take. We're gonna have to get to these quick to get everybody on the show. Uh, feeling dangerous with another super chat. Thank you so much. He says judging is bad because judges are on the payroll. Yep, and a lot of people don't know this, and a lot of people in media still don't know this. But the promoter ultimately is who pays the judges. The commission chooses them, uh, and the sanctioning organization chooses them. So there's a couple of different parties involved in the, in the choosing of judges, the pool of ring officials for a fight card. But ultimately, the promoter, the lead promoter of a show is who pays everybody, top to bottom. They cut the check. So think about that, okay? If you're the A-side, nine times out of 10, the A-side fighter, it's their promoter promoting the show, Right? Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes there's a purse bid and somebody jumps in and like Triller did with 
Lopez Combosis. But how's that working out for them, by the way? <laughs> but uh, that does happen, okay? But nine times out of 10, the A-side fighter, it is their promoter, their management, that is the lead promoter of the show. They ultimately are the ones cutting the check for the judges. How does that make sense? I've been saying it for ages here in the United States. We need a federal boxing commission. I, I get it. I don't like federal bureaucracy. I think the federal government fucks things up more than they do things right. I'm being a hypocrite. I, I understand. But we need a federal commission to oversee this. Um, you fund it maybe with 1% of all the fight purses over a certain amount here in America. Uh, our championship fights, you take maybe 1% of all those purses, it goes and it funds this thing. And that is how you pay the judges or work it out. It can be worked out. Uh, you have a, a board that sits over all the commissions here in the United States. And of course, this is a global sport. I'm only talking about America here. But the biggest fights, most of the biggest fights still happen here, man. They still happen in Vegas, Los Angeles. We're seeing more and more big fights go to Texas and Florida. So this is something that can be fixed. You know, it's, it's about time we join the 21st century when it comes to this shit. Uh, Nacho in the chat says, uh, too many ancient judges out there need to bring in judges who are in their 30s and 40s, not 60s and 70s. Yeah, not to be ageist, but yeah, bring in some new blood. There's a lot of people on Twitter. Like, you know, it sounds silly, but there's a lot of people on Twitter and stuff that I see scoring fights. A lot of you guys out there that score fights that do a way better job then the quote unquote professionals that are teaching judging, you know, uh, boxing judging um, seminars and stuff like that. You know, uh, it's scary. Some of the people that are in charge of these seminars, like it really is when you look at some of the scorecards, man. So if, you know, people at home watching on their couch can do a better job scoring, uh, we're doing something wrong. All right, back to the phones we go. Guys, let's keep these quick. All right, we got a bunch of calls and I don't want to leave people on hold, okay? So, uh, 805, what's up? You're on the show. Yeah, Mike, what's going on? Nacho, um, what's up, man? So, just, hey, nothing much. Just real quick, um, you brought it up earlier um, about the fights this weekend. Uh, just kind of, you know, interesting how that whole card from what its original uh, uh, form was to what it ended up being was, completely uh insane how it just got all switched around and every guy got a different opponent um i totally agree with you on melniki and spencer i'm just not seeing it especially with a guy like spencer i mean to me it's funny how like you said they're the pbc is really pushing spencer and melniki as like these guys they think are going to be like the next group of uh superstars right. on their side of the street but it's ironic how they're criminally uh, underselling Stanionis and Jesus Ramos, mm. who are also welterweights, and they're around the same age as those guys, and they're not giving them any kind of pub. And I'm kind of sitting here like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, you guys are pushing the, the guys that most of us fans can see are not all that great, but the ones that are really good, you're not giving any kind of love to? Like something's going on here. Like I, I don't get it. I just don't see what what's up with Spencer and Milnicki getting all this shine when in reality they haven't proven that they deserve that shine. Like you said, um, with coffee and rice, um, 
I agree. I just think, honestly, Coffee came in overconfident, and he went out there and he thought that, you know, he could throw, you know, some haymakers and he was going to be able to get Rice out of there. And Rice just basically, like you said, just stayed back, used his jab, used his, uh, you know, right hands and uh, and some occasional body shots. And once that started to, like, he started touching up Coffee. Like you said, Coffee had no no answer, and the fight just went downhill from that point on. He was swinging and missing, wasn't really landing anything uh, to hurt Rice, and Rice was hurting him. And then eventually when he trapped him in the corner right before the stoppage, he landed three ridiculously hard right hands, and then the referee steps in and stops it, and Coffee then all of a sudden wakes up and is like, what are you doing? It's like, dude, you were about to get laid the hell out. Yeah. Like, why are you protesting at this point? Like, you were done. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, that's a bad loss for, for Coffee for sure, because I honestly think that they were trying to get him ranked high enough that eventually he could be promoted as, like, one of their next heavyweights. So that's going to be a tough loss for him to come back from. But I have a feeling they'll find a way to rehab the guy. Um, and then – uh Real quick about the uh, the whole Canelo thing. Um, the only thing I'm going to say is I just found it kind of um, interesting that Canelo has never said a word about why the negotiations fell apart. But Plant and his side were so quick to run to Coppinger right. and just basically blab about every little detail. And I just found it as like very... You just had to get the applause there. <laughs> I just I agree with you, man, because that's a point no one's talking about. It's it's the it's the guy who's quiet, who's handling this business. It's the guy talking that's usually full of shit. Yeah, right? and so um, yeah, and so basically, um, I I just felt like you know they went out of their way to try to paint Canelo as the bad guy. And a lot of the fans are seeing right through it. They're not buying it. They know that plant and the PVC are full of it, and they're they're calling them out, and, and it's coming back and uh, biting them in the butt. And it, it should because they had a chance to really get plant um, some real notoriety and some real exposure, and they blew it. They overplayed their hand, and now who knows if plant get, ever gets a shot at him at this point because they might have just pissed off Canelo to the point that he might not even ever want to deal with them. So, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with that. And uh, you were bringing up the fights this weekend. Um, the, I just saw something earlier on Twitter with uh, Dan Raphael. He said that one of the guys on that uh, PBC card this weekend, uh, uh, Cor- is it Corey Cro- Crowley, I think his name is, the the Canadian kid? Oh, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. He was supposed to be on there, right? But he's yeah. off that card or something. Something yeah. happened, right? He's off the card because he, te- he tested positive, he said. Ah, okay. So okay. they're replacing him. Okay. Yeah. So it seems like that It seems like that card's already falling apart, too. So, I mean, I'm wondering if Stan Yonis is going to get the fight because he's supposed to fight Louis Colazzo on that card. So, okay. I mean, yeah, I don't know. At this point, it's going to be interesting to see if that... uh if that uh, fight card stays intact or if they're going to end up just bringing in a bunch of replacements at the last minute to fight guys because they're trying to keep the card together. And, yeah, that's pretty much it, Mike. I'm sure you got all these other people waiting, and I'll just listen uh, 
for the rest of the show. All Thanks. right, Nacho. Thanks, brother. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at PBC's website here. I should have did this earlier, but uh, so they still have on their website uh, Crowley versus Maestre, but apparently that fight's off. So Stanionis is going to fight Colazzo, and then maybe that's going to be the main event now. Um, I, I didn't even realize Devin Alexander is supposed to fight on this card. So, yeah, they're saying this is live on Fox August 7th. I just looked at the schedule um, that I go to and uh, where, where they list everything, the commission stuff, and it, it, it wasn't on there. So I don't know, man. Some other cards don't get listed till the last minute. But if you go to PBC's website, it, they have a card. Uh, this It's from Minneapolis, like I said, at the Armory, where they do a lot of fights up there. Those are usually fun little cards. And it's supposed to be on Fox. But, man, guys, Fox. This is PBC on – this isn't This isn't like an FS1 show. This is on Fox. And you're going to headline. I mean, with Crowley versus Maestri, that, that was supposed to be the headliner. And now that fight's off, so maybe it's Stan Leonis versus Colazzo. That's It's going to be great, um, great opportunity for exposure for Stan Leonis. But, man, that's a Fox card. I, I mean, that's – not at the level that you would think for Fox. So uh, these are these are weak cards, dude. Even the the show we saw on Fox this Saturday, like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fight. I enjoyed the card. But was that a Fox worthy? You know what I'm saying? Was that worthy of Fox that fight card? Man, these are these are pretty tough shows, man. Pretty tough sells. Super chat pledge from Mark Ashley. Thank you so much, Mark. He says uh, judges should have to come up from amateur on up. Good point. They usually do. They usually do. Um, not in every case, but you do see a lot of people come up from the amateurs and they'll start with like the juniors. They'll start with the kids. They'll they'll score kids fights and then work up. But I have seen plenty of judges who kind of skipped that step. It went right into the pros. The biggest problem I think we have with, with judges in boxing is it's very insular. These guys get, um, they get on the... <sighs> the short list they become favorites of certain promoters and stuff and you see the same guys over and over and i just think that's a bad look there should be different judges all the time when you have one judge that works the same fighter over and over like floyd had judges his guys right and canelo starting to develop his guys it's a bad look dude it should be three different judges every time so it's a fresh set of eyes seeing you there should be no memory there if, they've, if the judge has seen you before, they know what your style is. They're, they they kind of are looking for certain things, and that can affect the way they score a fight. You want three new people in there that don't have that familiarity with you and are not looking for certain things. That's the way I see it anyway. CJ Duncan, what's up, man? CJ with the Super Chat says, PBC dumpster fire. On Fox cards. Hey, man, you said that, not me. Uh, but, yeah, dude, these Fox cards are bad. I mean, I just went to PBC. I'm not trying to beat up on PBC, okay? Because these other promoters, they ain't doing shit right now either. It's a pretty weak schedule. But Fox, when you – what do we always hear, right? The guy who called into my show Friday – I'm going to go on a quick rant here, guys, then we'll go back to the phones. But the guy who called on my show Friday kept referring to the zone as the application, the application. And I've seen a bunch of people on Twitter 
and on YouTube saying, you know, the Canelo versus Plant fight should be on Fox because that gets in front of more homes. That that's a, that makes it a bigger fight. It gets a, a more TV sets, right? And uh, it's a bigger opportunity for exposure versus an app. Yet, look at what PBC is putting on Fox. Look at what they're putting on regular Fox, this opportunity, right, to, to, to put their best product out there on the biggest possible platform. And look what you're getting on Fox. You're getting equivalent shows on Showbox and FS1 a lot of times. You're getting like leftover crap right now on Fox. It's not a good look, guys. Okay, so the schedule isn't red hot right now over at the zone, ESPN, any of them. Okay, but all I ever hear from the PBC cult people is you got to go on Fox because that's the biggest platform. That's you know, you can get the biggest exposure. Well, look what your guys are putting out there on Fox right now. It's not necessarily the best shows and the best product that they have, they're putting it on pay per view. Imagine if Pacquiao versus Spence was on regular Fox. The rating that could do, man. You're not going up against the NFL yet. The NBA is, uh, is the NBA going right now? I don't think so. Um, and the NHL is it. You, you just got to go up against baseball. College football ain't back. So you got this great opportunity, and that could be on regular Fox. That could do a massive, massive uh, rating. But I get why they're going to pay-per-view because they got to get Manny as guarantee. And this is kind of his gold watch, you know, retirement fund type of thing. Thanks, Manny, for, you know, doing us a solid. That whole, I get it business-wise. But, man, the argument that you always hear from the cult people over there, from the cult members, uh, they contradict it. And, and where are you guys now? Are you guys going to watch the, the show this Saturday from the Armory? Are you going to watch? Are you really, really excited for that card? It's not that you're getting better. I mean, again, look, I'm looking at the schedule this week. ESPN Plus, DAZN, none of them, Triller, none of them have super spectacular fight cards, okay? It's pretty weak across the board. But what you're getting on the biggest platform, according to the cult members, is not better. It's probably the weakest card of the bunch. So anyway, just had to put that out there and get that on record. Anyway, 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 let's get back to the phones. A few more calls, guys, that we're going to drop off here. So let's keep it quick. Let's get right to it. Let's get some flurries going, all right? Get your hands up. Let's get the flurries. All right, back to the UK. We're going back to the UK. 780, you're on the show. What's going on? How you doing, mate? Chris Bergen. Chris, what's up, brother? I thought that might be you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. Um, I, yeah, I just want to talk about the, uh, the mushroom card we just saw. Um, you know, I thought the um, Lee Wood Kanzu fight. I really enjoyed watching it, and you know what? I thought Lee Wood was absolutely brilliant. I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was, you know, the the well, he was the underdog going into it, and I thought he was going to get beat, but I think he comfortably won the fight. Yeah, and um, you know, it was it, it was weird because I remember watching. I've been, you know, I've been watching boxing for a, for a, a while now, and. I remember watching him at you know, British level getting getting knocked out by Gavin McDowell, um, probably a couple of weight divisions below that. And you know, Gavin McDowell was the, the second best McDowell brother. 
You know, he, <laughs> he wasn't even as good as his brother Jamie, and he knocked he knocked Lee Wood out. Yeah, in in like five or five or six rounds. Uh, so you know, to see Lee Wood go from that to where to to that the other night, I, I, it was great. You know, I thought it was it was great to see it as a Brit. You know, to see that, and um, I think. Kanzu, he looked quite small compared to Lee Wood. I thought. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you you do agree or not, but I thought he looked quite small. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he looked like yeah, two different he, weight classes. Yeah, and and Kanzu, you know, two two year two year layoff, you know, and uh, and what else I would say is uh, Ben Davidson. Uh, shout out to him. You know, he's. Um, been the coach of Lee Wood and uh, Ben Davidson, <laughs> you know, no one had ever heard of him before. He, uh, Tyson Fury took him on, you know, he was like a, a, a PE teacher or whatever, you know, and um, no one had ever heard of him. And then he's come along, worked with Tyson, and now he's worked with, you know, Billy Joe Saunders, he's worked with um, now Lee Wood, mm-hmm. you know, and Absolutely. Um, who else do you work with? Several guys. He's he's building well. a reputation, a good reputation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, fair play to Ben Davidson. He put a, a good game game plan together with that. So, you know, he's an underrated uh, trainer, I think, Ben Davidson. I agree. Yeah, and, and you then, know yeah, those also, fights uh, that Laywood's win and Jonathan Rice's win. Those were on, you know, let's call them quote unquote club level shows, mid level shows, second tier level shows, whatever you want to call it. But they were fantastic upset wins. And that's the stuff that diehard boxing fans love. So you don't, not every fight card has to be this huge event, you know, to see some spectacular uh, upset or, you know, great humanity like we saw in both of those fights. Yeah. Well, uh, Ben Davidson actually also working with Josh Taylor. He's now Josh Taylor. Oh, yeah. How did well, we forget so. that? Yeah, I knew there was someone else to forget. Yeah. 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 It literally just came to my mind then. It was like the yeah. main guy. <laughs> so, yeah. What, so, I mean, yeah, what a resume he has. Over, look at his resume over the last year, year and a half. It's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. But if you listen to an interview with, with the guy, you know, he's very down to earth. He won't, you know, he wouldn't really take much credit for it either so that's good yeah maybe i'll get him on um, the show one of these but, times that would be fun yeah that would be funny it'd be good um but yeah on, on so also on that card as well what i want, what I want to touch on is a, a guy called jack cullen you know he lives five minutes away from my house like that's <laughs> he cool. literally is five minutes away from my house and he beat Avni yildirim with a unanimous decision oh that's right he was fighting yeah n- he was fighting none other than Canelo like a few months ago. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, and man? It, it just goes to it just goes to show how much of a mismatch that was. The the Yildrim Canelo fight was ridiculous. Like why that was ever ordered, I have no idea. And that was but, uh, <laughs> that was a mandatory. And I traveled to that show. Yeah. I covered that show for Ring, and um, I, it was a good trip. I'm glad I went. But looking back, I'm like, man. I don't know if I picked the right card to go to, <laughs> but I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't been to that venue. And sometimes I will cover a show just to check out like a different city, a different venue. 
Uh, it was a fun show, yeah. but I can't believe that was ordered. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I said, this guy's a British level guy fighting, beating this guy, and <laughs> you know now. But, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, last thing I would say, because um, I know you got the calls, um, have you heard about the Jake Paul card? These uh, Daniel Dubois fighting on that card now, and Tommy Fury is also fighting on that card. I saw Dubois fighting. I didn't know Fury was on it. but th- So they're they're coming to America, right? Yeah, they're both, they're both, yeah, both going to be one-rounders, though, because Dubois is fighting a second-rate American heavyweight I've never heard of. And um, Tommy Fury's fighting an MMA fighter <laughs> who, who's been training with uh, Jake Paul. So, oh, my God. Yeah, it's going to be a, a couple of one-rounders there. So Is that Triller again? <laughs> oh, no, no, that's Showtime. It's on Showtime. I that's think. right. Yeah, Showtime. Because uh, Showtime so signed Paul. The money. Man, that, it, it's so hard to keep track of this shit. And I know that um, – Lamar Odom is supposed to fight again. He's a former NBA guy. He's supposed to fight Riddick Bowe. Like, that's oh, no. scary. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Isn't that bad? Please, I, no. I, that's horrible, you know? Uh, and last yeah. time Lamar Odom fought, he trained at my gym, and I just wasn't able to work with him. But um, I might I might work with him this time. <laughs> so that will be interesting. <laughs> Uh, but that would be interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I will, I will take that opportunity, but, um, man, I just, if he fights Riddick Bo, Oh my God, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that, but we'll see but what how, happens. How old is Riddick Bo now? Like, like, like 55. Or he's gotta be in his fifties here. Let me look it up. But he's, he's one of those guys that's clearly damaged, you know, from the yeah, ring. He should he, never be fighting ever again. He's 53. And He's yeah. got to be old 53 though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's damaged. And so, and you know, Lamar Odom is kind of damaged himself because he was a heavy drug user, but um, yeah. Who, who, yeah. Who, who is like throwing in that fight? Come on. The thing is Riddick Bo still might win <laughs> as bad as it is, but uh Yeah. Man, that's that's just so yeah. bad. Like, it, 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 you know, th- those fight cards are coming more and more and more because the the top guys don't want to fucking fight. So, um, man, it, it's, it's getting true. pretty bad, it's Chris. The, yeah, it's true. But like with this Jake Ball card, I think if Tommy Fury's fighting on this card, I think that's setting up that future fight between Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. I mean, I yeah. would actually be interested in seeing that fight. Yeah, that's that smart. I would actually watch. That's smart. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, good to speak to you again, anyway. Uh, yeah, man. Hope you have a good night. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you get to you with the callers, and uh, I'm sure you've got a load of them on, on the yeah. line. So. All right. Thanks, Chris. Have a good one, brother. All right. Take care, brother. You speak too, to man. You yeah, I, I totally forgot about that, but – uh I got. I really hope that Lamar Odom Riddick Bow fight does not come off. But if it does, and uh, Odom trains here in Atlanta again, I was talking to my coach about that last week, and he's like, "Yeah, man, you know, we'll bring you in." But you know, some of the guys that uh, I, I've sparred with worked with him for the last fight, and I, you know, I'm not going to talk too much about the work. I'll just say they had to take it easy on Lamar. They they really did. They had to. Uh, 
slow down, cut it in half, 50%. So, um, you know, I don't know, guys. I, I don't know what to think about all this stuff. Okay, I'm going to take a couple more calls, all right? So let's keep these quick. Uh, 317, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Mike? Jack Alter. Jack, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. I work from 9 to 5.30 today, and it's my last week at that shit, like, piece of shit place, that hellhole. At Myers? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking at Myers. Bro, it's shit. And I met the, the best dude. My last customer today was so chill. I talked to him about boxing. Uh, dude, I can't think if I said this but I, to a customer. I don't even really give a shit, though, because I'm at, like, one week notice now. But I said to him, we were talking about just, like, work, and I was like, well, you're Mexicans. You're you get, you're the hardest working people on the planet. I can't believe I said that to him, but it was a compliment, you know, and it's, tr- it's true. Yeah, you might get fired for that one, <laughs> so Jack. But, it is, you know, compliment, uh, but. It's true, it's true, and they're the toughest. Uh, the proof in the ring says it all. That Mexicans are warriors. But anyways, uh, yeah, I came home, took a diarrhea dump. <laughs> now I'm back here. <laughs> I'll just fuck with you. Uh, uh, you got to stop eating those Myers burritos, Jack. That's what you get. <clears throat> yeah, you said you said keep the call short, and I love Chris. He's my boy, but bro, <laughs> he took like eight hours. He's like. And he was talking about the shitty fights, too. Oh, I sound like such a casual, though. Like, because those are, like, the hardcore fights. And I'm like, man. I, I like the, the Woodcon fight. That was a good fight, man. I didn't see it. I'm a casual. Oh, yeah. You, uh, you are. See? There you go. No, check it out, man. It's It was absolutely <laughs> worth it. So, but what you got, yeah, man? Gotta, what you got, Jack? Did you see the video I made? No, I haven't. Dude, Mondays, I, I, oh. yeah. I, I know you well, used some of, some of my clips, though, right? You used some clips of me in there. Um, but I'll check it out at yeah. some point this week. But, um, yeah, dude, Mondays are crazy for me. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, if you uh, if you guys didn't know, I'm sorry, Mike, I got to give the shout-out. So I did to you in my video. Uh, if you guys are interested in boxing, I actually shouted out Mike in my last video. I do a series on Triple G's resume. And I uh, I basically go into a deep dive at everything he did, and I used a clip of uh, Mike for my channel. So if you're interested in that stuff, check me out at Jack Alter. My old channel got taken down. I'm sorry, I had to put that in, Mike. It's been it's some good. tough shit, and I think you under you yeah you understand, bro. But uh, shit, I, what I wanted to say was, uh, dude, the Canelo plant thing is so fucking boring. Like people were talking about, let's talk about the Caleb Plant Canelo situation, and I'm like, how about no? Because that shit's so boring. Like, they're talking about, like, oh, uh, A-side, B-side, C-side, uh, the application. <laughs> 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 no, but, dude, what was with that guy? Like, I showed, my brother knows nothing about boxing, and I showed him the clip of you destroying that dude, and he thought it was fucking funny. Yeah, my <laughs> wife, like, my wife watched so that on TV. She put it up on the TV, and she goes, God, you, you destroyed that dude. And I was like, I, I didn't realize did. I did, but I was just talking. But it was just one of those things where he he was, man, he was really revealing a lot of bias, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it, I don't know. I see it a lot. Yeah, so it, I, there's certain trigger words. And so when you, when you keep saying the application over and over, it's it, and, and then you're saying, I don't have a dog in the fight. Well, then why are you calling it the application? But uh, it's yeah, I hear you on the Canelo plant <laughs> stuff, man. I hear you on that. I'm kind of over it myself, but 
Yeah. It, it's boring. Like, you know, I just want to get to the fight. But here's some here's the thing I wanted to bring up, and I want to make this quick because one thing I want to say is, dude, congrats because you've been getting so many more callers lately, and I know a lot of people have been talking about just some of the shit you said, and uh, your content's been getting better, man. So I'll just say this straight to you uh, on your channel, and I'm sure people can agree because I've been watching you for like probably three years now. Thank you, I appreciate it's probably that. Probably been like three years now. Thank you. No, you've known me for a while, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. like uh, after. I remember watching the Triple G Canelo 2 replay one week after watching it live. So that was like almost three years ago. And I watched you before that. And I've seen your channel get better. So I just want to put that in there real quick. Uh, but, but let's talk about Canelo's possibilities. So if he fights Bivol at 175, I don't care if – I don't care. He's not, Canelo's not even going to rob Bivol. He's going to straight up lose. And I'll put money on that. I'm going to put lots of money on that. Bivol has the exact – style to beat Canelo. A good jab, good footwork. Uh, 175, the Kovalev, an old Kovalev, was winning probably won like four rounds against Canelo. Like four rounds going into the 10th round. So he was doing, uh, he was winning some rounds and landing some good punches. And he was old, you know? And that's what we did. Canelo underperforms. I'll say it at that. Canelo underperforms. Like, and he really is overrated. Okay? I'm going to say that. If you look at all of his fights, like people say, oh, he dominated Daniel Jacobs. He only won like seven, five, eight, four. He destroyed Billy Joe Saunders. It was like a, Billy Joe won like two or three rounds before he landed a shot that made the fight end. So it wasn't like this one-sided, you know, domination. But uh, so, sorry, what do you think about the, uh, I'm talking too much, but what do you think about the Bibble Canelo fight? I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Canelo is going to walk away yeah. from a much easier fight with Caleb Plant to a much harder fight against Dimitri Bivol. I don't think that'll happen. I'd love to be proven wrong, though. So we'll find out. Yeah, who'd you favor in that one? It Honestly, it depends what weight it's at and what kind of stipulations there are on the weight. Like, is there going to be a rehydration clause? Is there a catch weight? So I can't really say, you know, but if it's at a full 175 with no rehydration clause and all that, dude, I still might slightly favor Canelo just because of the judges. By robbery. All, yeah. But um, also Bevel hasn't been very active and, you know, inactivity is a killer. So, but uh, damn close fight, really close fight. Yeah, and then they say um, Canelo Triple G3. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I got a lot of shit to say about that fight. Um, I was thinking to myself, how the hell, uh, and I remember saying this to you last time, that will be, uh, I hate going into the financial part of this, like I said earlier, but that will be probably the best fight Triple G or Canelo can make money-wise. And it'll probably be the toughest fight of his career still, and he has a good chance of losing. So. Yeah, I just hope that they figure out some sort of plan. And, you know, I, I would welcome a third fight with Triple G. The plant fight's cool with me. Whatever they do, they just need to do something. I'm sick of talking about possibilities. I just want them in the, in the ring. So that's where I'm at, bro. But I, we got to let you go, man. I got some more calls to get to. We got to wrap the show up. We're come, going at an hour and a half. So. That's, yeah, that's what, that's what I was about to say. I was about to be like, all right, man, have a good one. But. Yeah, man. Yeah, have a good one. All right, man. You too.
Thanks a lot, Jack. Uh, I see a couple of you guys here in the chat talking about the WBO purse bid situation with Jamel Herring and Shakur Stevenson. As far as I understand, Bob Aaron was saying they were going to get a deal worked out for this week. They were expecting to announce something this week um, and there won't be a purse bid. So did I miss something? Let me know, guys. Um, I'm, I'm pulling it up right here. Let's see. Um, WBO, WBO orders August 9 purse bid hearing split to land in Stevenson's favor. All right, hold on. This just got posted. So I'm going to just read through this right here on the show. News breaking as we're going here. The WBO has decided that more than enough time has passed by for the two sides to reach a deal on their own. Wow. So did Bob Aram drop the ball again? Jesus. All right, uh, purse bid will be held at 1 p.m. on Monday, August 9th, so next Monday. Please be advised the minimum bid is $150,000. Herring enters the bout, of course, as the WBO champ. Stevenson is the mandatory. Um, however, a clause in the WBO bylaws that takes the fighter's most recent purse. Wow. So the purse bid is... The division shall not be, all right, I don't want to read this thing like on the show, but it looks like the purse split shall be 63% in favor of Shakur Stevenson and 37% in favor of Jamel Herring. Wow. That is absolutely unacceptable. If I'm Jamel Herring and this that's what's happening Look, this is the WBO bylaws, and they're going by what Shakur Stevenson's getting paid versus what Jamel Herring's been getting paid. Stevenson has been getting grossly overpaid. He's one of these young pampered guys. Um, so if this thing goes to purse bid, which it looks like it will, according to the WBO, we shall see, unless top rank can stop in and step in and stop all this. But if if Herring only gets about one third of the purse split and Stevenson gets two thirds, this is a major failure for top rank taking care of their fighter. I just a huge, huge failure on their end. So I don't want to talk about this too much because it's an ongoing situation, but um, that is crazy. All right, uh, Kento says, Mike, I will tweet the Herring tweet to you now. Okay, let me go to my Twitter. So what, did Jamel tweeted about this? You guys, if Jamel tweeted something about, let me know, but I'll check Jamel. I'll hit Jamel up later tonight and ask him what's going on because, man, that sucks. That's like crazy. Yeah. Okay, so Jamel tweeted about an hour ago. Jamel, this is Jamel Herring. Um, his tweet, I'm going to read it word for word. For the past couple of weeks, I thought the fight was basically a done deal. I've agreed to everything my team brought to the table, so this bid comes as a shock. But I'm more blown away looking at the split. This is how they do you when they want you to quit or walk away. Wow. Man, that is crazy. You guys know Jamel's my dude. Like, that's just a huge failure on top rank's part, not taking care of their guy. And I get it, you know, quote unquote, Shakur Stevenson's the future and all that. 
But damn, dude, Bob has dropped the ball on a few of these this year. He's he needs to think about moving on because man, that's just a few of these that he's he's messed up this year. I still think top rank is probably the best in the business overall, but time to time to hand over the reins, Grandpa Bob. Cause everything Jamel's done for you, and they've done a lot for Jamel, but he's getting one third against against the kid to pass the torch that that's pretty dirty man all right we're gonna take one more call guys and then we're gonna jump off all right one more call 773 you're on tnc what's up what's up mike uh how you doing good man how you doing uh, i'm gonna try to make it, try to make it as short as i can um i'm just going with bullet points is this John? With a lot of the stuff that you said today. Yes, it is. Yeah, sir. I thought How so. are you doing? Good, man. I good. The biggest, the biggest problem with boxing as a whole to me, based on the things we talked about from the judging, you're talking about the different promoters and platforms, the scheduling, what's being put on Fox and things. To me, it's just one thing, it's about a divide. And I'm not being pro PBC here. But I think that sometimes, at least for me, what I do is I separate myself emotionally and have to realize everyone, one, all of these different, uh, I would say, uh, universes, I would say boxing universes, mainly Matchbox, uh, Top Rank, where you got the PDC and the various other organizations or platforms or promoters, they all have their own particular agenda. It's not like any of the other major sports like baseball boxing the nba which is under one umbrella so no one is ever going to do anything good for the sport as a whole they're all going to do things good for whatever their platform uh whether promotional organization whatever whoever they represent because like you just said earlier how they make the scheduling it conflicts with each other uh how they go about trying to do inner promotion so it's like this top rank is the best at developing talent and i I think people need to realize one thing. This is not this is not from a fan perspective. This is just from a business perspective in a sense. PBC is not about promoting, trying to promote or build fighters up from, from one thing. They're basically into getting fighters paid. I know mm -hmm. two fighters who actually are with PBC. I know one of the managers. I'm not going to mention any names, but I know that he has literally told me that the agenda is to get people paid. And when you go and look at what they have did, this is not a good or bad thing, and I'm not sitting here saying about exposure, but they have had more millionaires in the sport of boxing than any other platform. Whereas most of the other platforms, their millionaires are basically great fighters. Now, that's not to say that those guys, because you just said earlier, that's not to say that the guys they made in the millionaires are great fighters. That is not the case. But if you do go and look at some of that based on market value, those guys get paid. And Al Heyman's job is not to help the sport of boxing. Unfortunately, I wish he it was, and that was his agenda and how he thought about it. That's why I do agree with you about a commission. If we had a commissioner, then that commissioner's job would be about the sport of boxing. Right. Al Heyman's job is to get the best deal for his client. The same thing Bob Arum does. The same thing Eddie does. They're all in the business to make money. They're not in the business to lose money. So I think sometimes as fans, and I've, I've been guilty of this, is that we, we have to separate. Now, I'm not saying the media shouldn't call them out. They can do that. But also I always tell people, it's not just that. It's not just the promoters. You know, let's put some blame elsewhere, too. 
HBO, Showtime, Fox. I don't know what the deals are, but I know if I was in control like that, I'm not going to put an inferior product, uh, product on my platform. And, the, and they're not necessarily associated with or owned by, uh, by the boxing organization. It's not like when HBO was in the business of boxing, and they kind of messed the ball up with all that stuff that they were doing when they still did boxing. This, I these agree. guys still have the idea of whether or not to put this stuff out there. And I remember a long time ago when HBO was a king, Showtime wasn't. And Showtime had a thing where they didn't do any exclusive deals, and they only bought the fights that they thought was profitable. I don't know what Al has done, but I, I look at it as this. He's done a great job for his fighters as far as getting paid. You know, and if that is the objective, which is the era of the businessman in boxing, and if these and, and boxing is a brutal sport, we all know this. If that is the objective and they want to go in and get paid, then more power to them. As a fan, it doesn't appeal to me in a sense. But then again, I'll just put on another thing. I look at somebody like Kirk Cousins, no disrespect to him, it's football. That guy gets tons of money and he gets paid. It is, it's just people sometimes have to look at it. I know what we're trying to, what we want, but from a business perspective, if you was on the other side, you would want to get taken care of and you would want to get paid. The days of Marvin Hagler and, and Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard as far as guys wanting to be great, and I think there are fighters like that nowadays, but it's just an entirely different platform. When I can fight a, a, a Joe Palou and I can get, <laughs> I can get paid seven figures, and now I got to fight maybe a Terrence Crawford. You know these guys are going to be wanting 12 or 15. Yep. Do they deserve it based on what's out there? No. But boxing, it's a divide with boxing. And it's, it's not just PBC. It's also with top rank. Like you just no, mentioned agree. with, with Jamel. What do you, what do you do that? It's, it is, it's always a divide. Everyone's posturing. Everyone's looking out just for themselves. And it's just, it's just a mess. Though I love the sport. Being with boxing is like having some type of side chick of mistress. You know, it's, you know something bad is going to happen. Is you know there's but drama coming, go, right? but Pass you can't it. help it. Yeah, you yeah. know it. It's, it, it, it. Boxing has been like this for so long um, until and, and it, apparently the federal government wants, don't want to get involved. These guys don't want to get along. They've been doing this forever, and it's just like in the past. You know, no difference except you had less platforms. Now we have more platforms, so therefore we have more divide. But the same yes. stuff back in the old days. People didn't want to fight unless they were getting paid a lot of money. <laughs> it's, just, it's just different now because we have social media. We have more platforms. And, and more belts. That's the only thing. It's a lot. It is in terms, and, what, and what is that about? Money. Even though I'm not into the championship recess or whatever, the networks want a championship fight. So that's the way to create it. And that's the thing. It's, it's so, I don't want to say corrupt. It's more, it's so dysfunctional. And it's the same thing like what you said with the judges. It's no different than when they do the same judges as Hollywood recycles the same actors. Because, because yeah. that's just the way they're doing it. There are, they are driven by money. And I'm not saying that the other major sports don't have their issues. But you know. They are NHL, Major League Baseball, basketball, football. They have one person running that. They have one guy running it, and the owners all chip in money, and they make a ton of money. And if boxing had that idea, you're right. We would have this stuff. We would have a main spin fight on Fox. We would, have, and they would make more money. They would make a ton yes. of more money, but it's so short-sighted. 
And 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 then the thing with pay per views, if you were going to do that, why don't you just charge us fifteen dollars? You get more people to buy, it, but instead you get eighty. And I'm not paying for that. Not no. I'm just Have you not seen that undercard, so bro? That is a little. Bit, that undercard is shit for that fight. Yes. God, that's a it's, bad undercard. Sucks, and, it, and the thing, right? And the thing is, like you just said. The reason they're doing pay-per-views now is different than it was back in the day because mm-hmm. of what was going on. It's because of site fees. And to me, when, and that's not managing. That's not promoting. That's just a packager. I package this up. Here's the fight. Get your big site fee. Pay the guys that you have to pay. And then you have you don't have any money really left. So therefore, therefore you just put those guys on. And it's all short-sighted. It's, there's some old-school promoters out there. And there are guys who really, really try to work hard. But they're getting squeezed because now we have like what three big entities, maybe four. But Golden Boy is a little shaky with their their head is, even though they got a lot of good prospects. I think they're you know Matchbox is is good in a sense, but it's just AJ. Eddie doesn't really do a good job of really promoting. He has guys, and and they just waiting around for the Canelo sweepstakes. And then whereas CBC, it's just all about trying to get those guys paid. They're not really tra- and they're keeping everything in house, which. The same thing Bob Aaron used to do. I never heard people complain when Manny was fighting the same people. He was recycling. It, but it's just, it's a divide. And it would be great if they all worked together. But I've come to realization that that's never going to happen. They're not, they'll work with each other when it's a lot of money. When it's a ton of money, that is when they will work together. But when it's not, that's not going to be case. And the fighters don't seem to push it because... All our guys are getting paid. They're fine. They're yeah. like, hey, I can pay. I'm getting paid seven million. Why would I worry about this? As long as I'm well paid, that's why you hear the fighters say. That. Well, and let me ask you this, John. Why they? St- I agree with everything hurt. you're saying. You're right. But how long can the sport continue to be relevant? If that's the case. Well, here's the thing. And I hate saying this because I'm so boxed. But let's really look at it. It's it's really a niche sport, and it's oh yeah, of course, of course. It's it's yeah. kind of a niche. It has it. It's had it. It's kind of like professional wrestling, but it's real. And what I mean by that is, it's always going to be this kind of level unless someone steps in. And I don't think that's ever going to happen. Then never. It's not set up like the NFL, which which is here's another sport, tennis which is probably more irrelevant at one time than boxing, and it makes more money than boxing globally. It does yeah. more, and it's just, but it, it's done in the organization standpoint. So will it be relevant? Yeah, I think it will be. Everyone will always watch boxing, but I don't think it will ever achieve its full potential structure the way it is, which is a shame because it could be one, it could be the fifth major sport. But it's never going to be that way because we have all of these entities, we have all of this dysfunction. I don't want to call it corruption, you know. Even though there are things you could look at it as you could call it that. It's very, very, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to be. I do call it sometimes, but I'm trying to be more optimistic and just say this is just short-sighted. This, this is just completely short-sighted. No one wants to work together, and everyone wants to get whatever they want. I mean, you got guys, PBC, and coming up with a new league and all of this, and, you know, people who – whoever – whatever Al did from the standpoint of getting money, that was great. But his whole thing about trying to run boxing has been short-sighted. But his clients don't seem to complain. I'm, there's very few guys who leave the CBC. 
So they're they're okay with the way they're being paid. Bob Arum, on the other part, is old and rich, and he don't give two Fs. So that's why he does the things that he does in my opinion. And Eddie has his own vision. And I just don't think all of them kind of correlate together to say, hey, let's do this for the better of the sport. They're doing it for the better of whatever it is that they're going to do. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And the only way it would, if, like you said, if the federal regulation got involved. Here's a question I don't know. How was the NFL and all the other major leagues structured? Was that federal? I mean, was that federal regulated? Did someone come in and put all of this together? Or I mean, baseball? Was that just the owner? The government got involved in baseball, but a lot of these other sports, it's just that it was really the era they're in. I mean, people don't realize, man, that there was a couple different basketball leagues because it was what the ABA and the NBA. And right, right. The, the, the NBA almost went out of business in the late 70s. It was really Magic Johnson right. and Larry Bird that saved the NBA. But at one point, it, they, they, it was the NBA and ABA, and they were both struggling. And then they merged, and then they had some stars come in. It's the same thing with the NFL, the AFL. So was that the, me, from, a, um, from a standpoint of the ownership and the people owning the team, did they just all get together and say, hey, let's just do this this way? Or was it a federal thing that came in and forced them together? Yeah, I think they, I think they all kind of came together because, you know, I – I mean, well, it's kind of, it's kind of like the mafia <laughs> when uh, when Lucky Luciano hey, brought hey, everybody hey, together and said, "Hey, let's stop killing was, each other. Was, let's work together. We made I more money." Just, I was just about to say that. And how is it that the mob <laughs> just figured this out? And you got a bunch of promoters. And hey, they, can't figure they made it out. a lot more money they, than Bob Arum and Al Heyman ever will. They, so there you yeah, go. They should, they should. And I yeah. And they could they could make a ton of money. All of this NFL money you see mm-hmm. in video games and all of that, boxing should have all of that. And they just they just don't. And one last thing, this will be a hot topic, just to show you how dysfunctional the sport is. Drug testing. And I'm gonna make it quick. Boxing is the only sport where that people don't know this. I know you probably know this. Is how is it you sign a deal? And when you sign the deal, the fighters themselves decide when the drug test is going to take place and when it's going to end. No other sport does that. It shows you how dysfunctional it is. Mm-hmm. You don't have the NFL players saying, hey, we're going to get drug tested August the 1st. No, that just shows you another level of dysfunctional and how and it's just it's just messed up. Even though I love boxing, it's just, it's just messed up. So to the fans out there that are listening, just watch it. Just watch it. Watch the fights that we get made that are really good fights and stop watching trash. You know, that's the, that's the only thing they can do. We can't, because they're not going to stop buying it. They're not going to stop fighting with each other. It, it's just, I'm like, why can't we just enjoy the sport as a whole? I don't ever see, you know, the stuff in baseball. You know, I do see some rowdy stuff. It's just, it's just, it's just messed up. Thank you, sir. I've taken up too much time. I know you probably got one more call you want to give. Now, we're going to end it on that, man. Always, I- Mike. We're going to end it on that call. Oh, that was good stuff, you. man. Have a good night, bro. Thank you, sir. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. I, I It's hard to disagree with anything John said. It's kind of depressing, but true. <laughs> Super chat from Keith Yazdenseta. He says, end sanctioning organizations and create one platform promoter. Got something in the works. Wink, wink. Hashtag one belt. Hashtag one promoter. Hashtag one network. Hashtag top stank. 
Hashtag P bullshit. <laughs> all right, Keith. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you so much, guys, for all the great calls today. We'll do it again next Monday. And then uh, over on my channel Friday, make sure you guys check that out. Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern. We'll chop up the latest news and uh, see what's going on. Hopefully, we have some fight announcements to talk about. Right now, I want to find out what uh, I want to find out more about Jamel Herring because what the WBO is doing, that's crazy. That's just absolute. What's the point of being a champion if you're not going to be protected? I mean, that's just nasty. All right, guys. Uh, have a good week. I'll see you at the fights. <laughs>